Our guest in this episode is child life specialist Trisha Hiller. Trisha has been referring kids to Make-A-Wish since the early 90s. She is a community partner and chapter supporter for over 20 years. Here is Trisha Hiller. All right, so our guest in this episode is child life specialist Trisha Hiller. During the month of March, we are celebrating social workers and child life specialists as part of their awareness months. So Trish, welcome to the Wish House podcast. How are you? How are you doing? Thank you. So excited to be here. We're chugging along as everybody is, right? Every day is a new day. It's so true. And how are you guys doing over at the hospital? I mean, you know, I had a great conversation last week with social worker Barbara McLean, and she shared about how, you know, really the social work team, child life specialist teams, like you guys are the only family that in a lot of ways that a lot of these kids have at the hospital. So how has that been, you know, kind of going into the hospital? And actually, I buried the lead. I have to say 100% thanks on behalf of everyone at Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley for being essential workers and being at the hospital. When everyone is at home, like I am, working from home, you Thank guys you. are on the front lines doing everything you can to ensure that the kids are getting everything they need to kind of get through this treatment process that they're going through. So how are you holding up with everything? Thanks. You know, we're holding up. Um, it, it's been weird. It's been strange. And, and, you know, like everybody, when this first happened, you know, the closures came, we we're like, all right, you know, a couple weeks we'll be able to do this. And then it escalated really, really quickly. Um, I think, yeah, we were all here. Fortunately, you know, we worked throughout. Um, it was very bizarre when everybody's home and you're coming into work. Um, Must've made the commute a little bit easier though in the morning. It did. <laughs> Everybody said that was amazing. Silver lining, right? How quick. Yes. It was, it was kind of spooky at times though, yeah. you know, when there should be a lot of cars out and there really wasn't. You know, ultimately, we were just all concerned about the families here. We were were fortunate in that our administration is supportive of families and family-centered care. So kids were allowed to have visitors. Um, It was, you know, initially, it was one parent or designated care person at the bedside at a time. Um, And then as things changed, it was a really fluid process. We got to the point that they could switch, but not inside had to be like in the lobby or outside and then it was eventually got to two um people could be here but we are so fortunate that we always allowed a family member to be at a bedside yeah and i have to ask something i mean to put things in perspective to our listeners you know a lot of times i think what we've gone through over the past year of having to quarantine having to stay at home having to isolate ourselves from the world our family our friends i mean that is a microcosm of what our families deal with all the time, pre-pandemic. This was the issue. This is what they had to, this is what they had to deal with, you know, all the time. So you guys in a lot of ways were our experts in kind of how to navigate through all those kind of craziness of of, uh, waters that they had to go through. So it it is, it is. I know one parent commented that her child was actually doing pretty well doing virtual school because as she said, his training of being neutropenic and isolated paid off. Wow. He learned how to do it. Um, you know, for kids, they weren't missing school because everything went virtual. So whether they were virtual at home or virtual from the hospital, that was okay. I think some of our, our long-term or, or chronic uh, pa- you know, patients with chronic medical conditions, the hospitalization felt different to them. Um, our playrooms had to close. Uh, we couldn't do groups, which they are so used to. 
So that was really tough, I think. You know, there, um, those normal hospital things all of a sudden were taking, taken away also. And these are um, things that are keeping the kids kind of going throughout this treatment process. I mean, you guys are providing music therapy, you're providing art, creative arts, you're providing all these amazing correct. things to support these kids during this treatment to get them through it. And then all of a sudden now you have to not have these group settings anymore where they're, it's really the only interactions they're having with other kids their age right. in the hospital. And now that's gone as well. So exactly. I, I can't even imagine the, the amount of challenges that only logistically you guys had to kind of work through, but at the same time, how to, how to replicate it in a virtual way for the wish kids, for, for kids. And obviously our wish kids that are benefiting from this um, through, through throughout their treatment process. So yes. it, wow. it was a challenge. Um, but we did it. And, you know, like I said, we had no groups and we still don't have any groups. The one socially distanced thing we were able to do with the help of our infection control team is we had a socially distanced Halloween parade. Oh, okay. So that was awesome. So, I mean, we were super spread out, but they saw kids, you know, far away and it was normal. Other than that, we have not been able to any group. We did our virtual Santa uh, visits on Santa on an iPad. Um, we did, you know, everything's been virtual. So if we could, we did a, a May the 4th be with you. Nice. We did St. Patrick's Day with music where we would go around um, in our PPE by giving out things because that's part of normalizing the environment. Exactly. For all those special days. So we were able to do it, look different, but... <laughs> You know, but you did, did it. We you did guys, it. You guys found creative ways on how to continue on the same mission that you guys have. But for, but in a lot of ways, the way we are reimagining wishes, you guys right. reimagine the way you're you're providing these types of services to the kids and the families in the hospital setting. So that's, I mean, kudos to your entire team. You guys really have an amazing team there. You know, we I do. Know, on behalf of us at Make Wishes of Valor, we love working with you guys. I mean, every time we see you, it's again like a family reunion, like we're just catching up on our favorite eats and, you know, things that have gone on and, you know, what's been happening, you know, where the kids have been born, who's got married. It's always a lot right. of fun, that exchange when we first see each other after a while. And I'm sure we'll have a lot of stories to share when we are able to reconnect yeah. in person. That's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be great. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank but, you. It is. We're, I'm very lucky. We have a fantastic team and we all pulled together and we did, you know, what we could to make it better. For, for the kids. Um, it added some extra stress in that when it was one parent at the bedside around the clock, you know, was giving them that break to take a breather because that was hard for them. Um, it was hard because they couldn't see their other kids. Right. Um, although we, you know, we laughed a little bit that God bless like FaceTime. Oh man. Zooms because that was how families had to interact even from here. That's so true. And, and actually, before we kind of go into the, the, the next part of the questions that I kind of had in mind, I would love to kind of get to know you a little bit better, because obviously we've worked, you know, for many years and we see each other all the time at, a, at the parties that we coordinate and collaborate on. Um, but what kind of got you onto the path of becoming a child life specialist and kind of into the area in which you work? What started that? I actually initially, when I was 14, started working with um, children with physical disabilities. Um, thought I was going to go into occupational therapy or physical therapy. Looking at colleges, uh, found out about child life and was going to apply. At that time, the schools I was interested in, 
you didn't take a child life class till you were a junior. And I was like, oh gosh, like what happens if I don't like it then? So I actually went to Springfield College. I was a rehabilitation major, um, still thinking of occupational physical therapy. And they have to, at Springfield, you do a lot, a lot of uh, fieldwork internships that work with different populations. Um, and I chose to do one in a child life setting just to see. And that was it. Wow. Loved it, knew that, yep, this is definitely, I was right. This is where I want to go. Um, and then I went on to get my master's in child life. Unbelievable. And for those, for our listeners, just so you're aware, Trisha Hiller is the child life and creative arts therapy director for Maria Ferrari Children's Hospital. Um, and, you know, you do, what kind of therapies do you provide to the kids? And what, what are some of the, the activities that you kind of help coordinate for those kids? Because we kind of talked about it before, but what is it that you're kind of, doing, I guess, on a day-to-day -day with the, huh. and the families. That so are our department's comprised of certified child life specialists that are all masters prepared. And we have a music therapist and an art therapist um, who are fan. Everyone's fantastic. Uh, the art therapist and music therapist can do individual music therapy or art therapy sessions. Um, prior to COVID, they did groups. They can do families um, using art and music as the modalities to help the children cope. For child life, um, we're really trying to make this whole experience as, as normal as possible uh, for kids, as uh, less stressful. Uh, we want to encourage all the develop, normal develop, growth and development. Um, you know, don't make it that the hospital takes all that away because you don't want them to be super delayed. We want to help make the experience easier for everybody. So we do a lot of preparation. Um, if someone's going to the OR for a procedure or surgery, we like to prepare them beforehand, doing a lot of medical play, using hands-on dolls, um, so they can actually feel, look, and see. Um, we'll go with kids to provide support uh, before procedures, during procedures, after procedures, and we can do medical play after to again, help them process. Um, we do a lot of parent education and support related to what their child who's ill in the hospital is dealing with and developmentally how they look at it, but also how that impacts their other kids at home. Uh, because it's the whole family's involved. It's not just the child who's sick. It's a system. It is a system. It's a family system. And they're all, we need to make sure everyone in that family is understanding what's going on and being able to help them all. Right. Um, it's normalizing the, their days, doing the hospital, making the hospital more normal. Um, you know, so when we had the playrooms, it was going to the playroom during the day. Fortunately, at the end of the summer, we were able to open up to do one-on-one -on -one sessions in the playroom. So they get that. Um, kids do school here. We, as I mentioned, we celebrate special events because that's a normal part of life. So you have to continue that. Um, yeah, this time, usually this time this year, you know, we're usually planning some year. sort of spring party or some sort of spring gathering, you yes. know, past baseball years. Baseball opening day. Exactly. Baseball opening day. We would do, you know, spring, you know, like spring you know, flowers. Like it was always something right. really fun to try to, like you said, normalize the, the hospital setting experience for the kids that are there. Um, Give them something and, to look forward to. Right. You know, it's interesting um, when you say that, uh, you know, working trying to normalize hospital settings i think that's also something very interesting that a lot of times our listeners our, our community supporters aren't always fully aware of is that the kids are there and the families are there so much time i mean you know right. parents are if, if they are able to work they're working and then they're right there right at the end of their work day and they're there for all as long as they're able to be there and 
Um, that's one of those things that a lot of people don't realize the, the struggle, the challenges that comes with that, you know, even just as simple as washing clothes, you know, how do you wash clothes? Like if you're there all the time, and I remember when I was being treated as a, as a teenager, you know, I, I remember many times my dad had to sleep on a really uncomfortable, like, you know, like sofa, like chair, I, you know, and it was like, it was, it was crazy, you know, that, but you know, you do it because you love you your child and you want to be there. You want to be present. You want to, you know, you, in a lot of ways as a parent, when a child is, is going through something like that, you feel helpless and you, you right. don't know what to do. And, and you guys as child specialists are there to really provide that additional support where, like you said, giving them a break, giving them something. As, a, as an additional resource to kind of help them get through these things, right? Right, to help them get through, to even explain to them on a, a basic level what's going on with their child, a little bit about the diagnosis, about their child's developmental level and how they can perceive the diagnosis, what they need to know, what they don't need to know, what's normal, and how to just keep those keep as much normalcy as possible, whether it's their routine, you know, getting dressed, wearing clothes during the day, putting pajamas on at night, if they can, getting out of bed to eat their meals instead of eating, you know, it's kind of a novelty at first with the bed tray table. But right. after, you know, several weeks, yeah. And you need it's to get old. up if you medically can get up and sit at a chair and eat, encouraging those things, doing their as much you know, going to the playroom when you can, doing activities during the day, doing your schoolwork. If they had a routine for bedtime, helping them enforce that. Um, you know, often we talk with parents that a child gets diagnosed with something terrible and everybody wants to just give them, they can't make it go away. So you want to spoil them. And one of the things that we try and help families understand is while that, and it's understandable, but if we look at the long term. You're going to have a tough time, you know, reining them in as they become, you know, teenagers, if they're not, if they're a lot younger or as, you know, they get older, they think they, you know, 100% agree with them. And and also, if you're telling your child that they're going to be okay, even though they're in the hospital and getting treatments for whatever their diagnosis is, but all of a sudden the rules change, as much as kids will fight you about rules, it is a sense of comfort and routine and structure that they know. So now if they're in the hospital and now they're getting treated for something with all these strangers and now all of a sudden, the one of the things that was normal is, you know, they knew what they can get away with. And it could be as simple as eating their ice cream before they eat their dinner. Right. But if at home that was like a definite no, now all of a sudden you're going to be okay and you're getting this medicine. Oh, go ahead. You want ice cream for breakfast? Go ahead. Some kids are going to be like, uh-oh. Yeah, you open that door. They're kicking it open. Also scary, though, for them, because now something's not right. Right. You know, why are they letting me do that now? I never could do that. But this is, again, the reality of being in the hospital when you're going through stuff like this. Kids right. have these opportunities to kind of get a, get up and move around and do things. Like you said, go to the, the play area and, and being able to have lunch there with their parents or, or family and um, it does create that, again, like you said earlier, that sense of normalcy and something that's not very normal for, for exactly having to go through. So kind of switching gears a little bit, this whole podcast is in celebration of our 35th anniversary as a chapter. And, you know, we're, we're really trying to highlight community partners like yourself and others that are really integral in our ability to grant wishes to kids. You know, when was the first time you heard about Make-A-Wish and, you know, how did that, con- you know, that start into having referrals, you know, done um, on behalf of you and, and the entire team, the child life team there. 
Well, first, congratulations for 35 years. That's fantastic. Um, before I worked in at Maria Ferrer Children's Hospital, I worked in Springfield, Mass. And one of my friends there was the wish coordinator for Make-A-Wish of Massachusetts. Ah. So I heard a lot about it. And then we had patients there that um, received wishes. It was a much smaller chapter. So I saw firsthand how they worked it there. And for our listeners, you know, the chapter that Trish is referring to is the Massachusetts and Rhode Island chapter, which you guys know, Rhode Island is the smallest state in all of the United States. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> so like you said, it is very tight knit and, you know, everybody knows everybody. Yes. And I, so I moved to New York and, of course, wanted to get involved. And I can't remember if it was before I moved or after. My mom actually was a Make-A-Wish volunteer for your chat. Yes. I wanted to talk about that. <laughs> Let's talk about your mom being a volunteer. So, you know, for our listeners, please share with you know, our listeners your mom's name and, you know, what did she do when she was volunteering with our chapter? Sure. My mom, Meryl Hiller, volunteered with Make-A-Wish. She started to just, um, she volunteered and wanted to learn more about it. Um, she became a wish grantor, and she had a, a partner, and they granted wishes for lots and lots of kids. Um, and then she kind of moved on and did some trainings for new people coming in to do wish granting. Amazing. So it was really neat. It was it was great hearing from her vantage point of you know meeting with families and talking to kids and getting their wishes. Um, so I kind of have both worlds. I know what the kids are going through. I've been able to make lots of referrals, but to hear from her side, what really goes is a lot of work that goes into the wishes um, and, and talking with the children and families, really finding out what the child wants. Yes. Can I ask something to this? Um, so one of the biggest challenges as wish granny volunteers, when you are assigned a wish kid, you know, generally you are meeting with those kids pre-COVID, you're meeting with them at their home. You know, generally, that's where 80% of the visits happen. On occasion, the kids are still in, in either the beginning of treatment or they're kind of going through some stuff and they're in the hospital. Sometimes we would need to meet with them in the hospital setting. And both child life as well as social work, you guys really help us kind of ease us into it because a lot of times the kids aren't always very receptive of us, you know, because they're already used to all these other adults that are, in and out of their their day-to-day -day life and all of a sudden here's another group of adults even though our mission is very different in what we're trying to provide to them but they don't know that all they know is that oh here's another person that i have right. to talk to and i don't feel like talking so i'm gonna make believe like i'm asleep like i used to do right. when i was a teenager <laughs> <laughs> so that's usually like a big challenge is i we kind of work co in collaboration amongst right. all the different disciplines and all with all of our missions kind of intertwined in trying to provide this child with something different to look forward to something exciting that they can look forward to that can help propel them past their treatment and beyond and really gives them that that of strength that they need and um and I, I, there have been times when we've had to like ask you guys like hey you know, this kid's not being really receptive like what else could we do and you guys know him better than we do right. and you guys can give us some insight well he really likes you know um you know this particular sports team or he you know or they really love music you know so then that gives us some in with the kid I, and we can kind of go in with something um and a lot of times that always is happening kind of organically as we're going through those visits and you know i have to say on behalf of the entire chapter we can't thank you guys enough for that level of collaboration because it does ensure that we're able to really hone in on the child and really get to know them better and allows us to build a very quick interpersonal you know relationship rapport with them that allows us to have these conversations around wishes and 
you know, it really is all a team effort to really make those things happen. So how is it working with all the wish granters and, you know, make wish Hudson Valley staff and, and others? How, how is that kind of working it's, in collaboration? It's definitely a team, definitely a team and partnership. Um, it's great that we know everyone on your team, just as you know us, because when we're talking with families about it, as well, my friend Abe, it, we know you guys. So it's easy to share and talk about um, versus if, if there was no relationship between our team and Make-A-Wish of Hudson Valley, it's it, it just it's another person coming. And this is if we can talk about you guys because we know you and we can say if they're if we know the child might be a little bit shy with new people. It's OK. You know, that's my friend or they like this, too. And I know you like it. And to share to make that initial meeting less stressful, more fun so that those relationships do build um, with the wish granters and the families and they become like a extended family. And if, you know, we can't, if we all, we all want the same purpose, right? Yeah. We want to give the kids and family something to look forward to. We want to be a positive and we have to work together. And I think that's one of the things that really is one of the things we're most proud of as a chapter is the fact that we have built decades long, worth of relationships with people like yourself, you know, and, um, that are at the hospital, like Barbara, like Rose, like, you know, Lauren, like all of you guys. I mean, we've had, you know, many, many years of, of building these relationships and it's true. We do know each other. You know, we can right. refer to each other with the wish kids like, hey, this is our friend, you know, Trish, and this is our friend, you know, and it's like, it makes things, it makes the world a lot smaller, I guess, in a way, right. and, and how we are really all connected to each other. And I think that's that secret sauce that we have as a chapter that really our volunteers feel it in a way right. too. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm sure your mom has talked about to you, you know, in, in, the, in the past years that, you know, make with Hudson Valley, there's something, it's hard to describe what it is, but it's those relationships that you're able to build with each other. Right. It, it just takes it to a whole nother level. It gives the volunteers an experience that's different. It gives our families an experience that is just elevated and allows for that magic to kind of blossom. And I think that's one of the beautiful things in all in the work that we all are doing is, is providing this type of uh, life changing experiences for our kids. It's life changing for the kids and for, you know, for us to hear about the wishes and for the wish granters. Yeah. You know, to know that they made a difference and that they were able to do something, or if the WISH team is you know, able to go talk to a, a potential sponsor about don't making a donation of funds for a WISH, when they can share you know, some of the WISHs they worked on with potential donors, it's amazing because it's like you know the next level. And, the, and they can talk about it because they witnessed it. They saw the change in the child and family. They saw pictures when they came back if it was a trip or if they went on a shopping spree, they were there to see the, the excitement um, and to share that. So I think it helps then for do potential donors to really want to get involved also um, because everybody feels good at the end of the day. Exactly. You're changing, they're changing a the life. Oh, they are. And, and, and it's leaving an indelible mark on that child's experience of the hospital where what all the fear and, and, just helplessness that they felt during that period of time is replaced with hope and it's replaced with these positive memories. So when they go back and they think about it 10, 15 years later, yes, those, those there are remnants of the pain that they kind of went through, but it's, it's almost in a way engulfed with happiness and joy right. with all the other experiences that they had. Like, you know, me, you know, being able to play the guitar for the first time or being able to draw a picture that was put up on the wall that 
you know, maybe inspired them to become an artist in their own way or, you know, or going on their wish. And these are the, these are the memories that we want to have the kids remember. You know, we want they them. Do. Yeah, it's true. We, we see them. Yeah. We've, we've had guests on this, on the podcast that have come back and they've talked about their experiences of wishes and, you know, from 10, 20 years ago and they, and it still has an impact on their lives and, that's and their family. Testament. And their families. You're I think it's great that the families are included because they're all impacted. Yeah. And I have a question for you. Do you have any wishes that kind of stand out with all the ones? I mean, it's kind of like picking your favorite child. You can't do it. Right. But if there was like, if there was an experience of a wish that you kind of, you know, helped kind of see it through, which one of those kind of stand out to you? Because, I mean, you've had many wishes that you referred directly to us, but also, you know, that you've seen happen at the hospital, either in the hospital or has happened, or you've heard of the stories after the fact, because um, the kids, you know, sometimes when they come back from the wishes, they're still going through treatment in right. many cases, and you still see them, and you still hear those stories from the family as well, right? Right. I don't know if I could pick a favorite. They're all so different and so unique, um, and each family's experience. Um, you know, we've had to do some here in the hospital, and um, just because that's how things worked out. And the impact of that is phenomenal. And you remember those, you know, the kids who've gone on some trips, um, just hearing when they're telling you about it. And, you know, some people, oh, it's just they went to Disney. Well, it's not they just went to Disney. They're treated like royalty there. And they stay at, you know, give kids and they can get one. I remember one child, they had ice cream. I think the mother said like for every meal because there was a little ice cream shack there and they got to know the person. Um, I think, you know, in talking with families, the, the thing that stands out to me from, I think every single parent I've talked to who've gone on a trip, whether it be Disney or Hawaii or wherever, is that they were able to relax, that they were amazed that make a wish thought of everything, that they didn't have to be the one doing all the coordination, that they were able to really enjoy the time with their kids because the rides were like everything was arranged for them. Yeah. Um, and that's again, so many have said that, which is amazing. And it wouldn't be possible without the support of our community uh, around us. Because if it wasn't for our donors, if it wasn't for our volunteers, if it wasn't for chapter supporters like yourself that are referring kids to us, it would be impossible for us to do the work that we do. Because it does take a village, and we do partner together in care. Um, to really provide our families with a once-in-a-lifetime experience, a gift that we're able to give them. Um, and, it, and it really is something that does change everyone involved it uh, does. In, in the process. So I, I have another kind of side question for you, Trish. I mean, you, one of the, the people you know best, I think, out of everyone at the office is Denise. So what is your, how, how, how is your experience with Denise? Like, how was it when you first met her? How did you you know, how was that relationship kind of built over so many years, um, you know, with the chapter? Denise is phenomenal. She really is. She, from the gecko when we met, we just had a connection. Um, I don't know what it was, but sometimes you just click with someone. Um, we just work extremely well together. She is always open and willing and always, what else can we do? Um, she's been there, you know, when you have a family who was a little bit leery, not quite sure. Um, it's a phone call to Denise. I'm like, here's what I think. Like, I know that they qualify. The physicians are all for it. They're not really sure. Like, what do we do? 
she's just phenomenal. She has um, such a great skill in putting people at ease, um, working together with multiple layers at the same time. Um, she's been great there. She's it's been it's been fun to watch it change and grow. Yeah, because you know, initially it was like this little office built like room, like up in Mount Kisco. Yes. And to have a whole house. So, so let's go back. Let's talk about that. So you have been referring to uh, kids since before we moved to the wish house. Is that correct? Yes. So how, so we're talking about before 2001. So do you have any idea right. of when you have started uh, uh, referring kids to make a wish house about? It had to be probably, oh my God, it's like so old. <laughs> it was pre-internet. It, it, it was, it was yeah. like in like 19, I moved back down here in 1994. Wow. Unbelievable. And my so, mom volunteered when it was started out in Mount Kisco. Yeah. So we started, we were established in 1986. So your mom was volunteering right at the beginning, that first phase, that first wave of volunteers that we had. Um, and then you started referring kids in the early 90s, let's say. Right. Um, and we're here now in 2021. This is like bananas, Trish. <laughs> I know. That's what I was thinking back like, oh my gosh, it's a long time. It's a long time, but it's 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 members of our community like yourself that make up the fabric of our chapter, you know, um, community members that are supporting us as a chapter, you know, in whatever capacity that they're able to, whether it's in a discipline like yourself, like that's able to refer a child, but also for those volunteers that are just helping us spread the word, being a representative in the organ in the community, whenever we have an information table or we have an opportunity to share and spread our mission to someone, it truly is all of us working collaboratively that helps you know us reach more eligible children that are in the community because our goal and one of our key mission statements is to reach every eligible child within our territory and we have eight counties within new york state that we cover so obviously the further north we go further from where we are headquartered which is tarrytown the more distant it feels for a lot of the community members that are in let's say you know, Delaware County or Sullivan County. I'm hoping that this podcast reaches those in Sullivan County and Orange County and Ulster and obviously in, in Delaware County, which is our farthest, okay. most northern part of our territory for, for us. So uh, podcast is global so they can hear it and download it from wherever they are. And, you know, we're just really thankful to have this platform to be able to highlight community members like yourself. And we're hoping to encourage others to also get involved, which I actually is a great segue into the next part of our podcast, which is called the shooting star segment, which is a series of questions where you say the first thing that comes to mind. And I'll just start off with what advice would you give to someone in the community who is interested in volunteering and or is looking to donate to a, a local charity like Make Wish Up to Valley? What would you tell them about getting involved on a local level with us here? To do it. Just do it. There's no fear. There's no questions that are silly to ask. Just get involved. Yeah, I think it's the first step, right? You just got to raise your hand and say, I'm willing. Just let me know what I could, what I could exactly. do. Exactly. Exactly. No one's going to say no. That's so true. And we always are in need of volunteers. Even now, um, during this time of the pandemic, we are always still in search of volunteers. We are looking at different ways to train them now in a virtual way, which is something new for our chapter that... <laughs> We're now exploring as a result of this pandemic, but it still allows for some opportunities there uh, in the future, maybe even to become a virtual wish granting volunteer, which is something that we are looking into right now. So if you are listening to this podcast and you want to get involved, please be sure to check out the show notes and refer 
to the volunteer hyperlink and then you can just click on that and find out how you can get involved here locally at Make-A-Wish Hudson Valley. And I have another question for you, Trish. Huh? You know, what in, it, I guess there's a lot of wishes that you've seen uh, either granted or you've heard about over the years. You know, is there one that if you could, I guess, is there a wish that really kind of leaves a mark on you and in your whole experience of child life? You know, is there a wish that you were just like, wow, I'm, I'm shocked that we were able to make this happen because it was it was not looking like it was something that we could possibly do. Yeah, there was a child from Massachusetts who you would think the Red Sox fan who absolutely loved a New York Yankee. Wow. And I'm partial because I'm a Yankee fan. And that wish was able to get granted. Yeah. And as a huge Yankee fan myself, I am also biased and I love that wish. Yeah. But we work really great with the Metro New York chapter to help grant wishes like that. And that's another thing that for our listeners, just so you're aware, anytime there's a wish that's granted outside of our direct territory, we reach out to that local chapter of where that wish is taking place, whether it's Metro New York, like for New York Mets or Yankees or Knicks um, type of uh, experience, or even if it's all the way on the other side of the country, like a child that wants to go to Hollywood. Um, so we would reach out to the chapter that covers that particular area in California, and we work in collaboration together as chapters um, to help grant that wish. And, and, and that's what we call a wish assist. So they're assisting us on the wish, and that's how we, we work very closely um, to grant those types of wishes. So, you know, shout out to Metro New York and uh, who have been amazing in, in partners with us. And even in our early establishment as a chapter, I'm not sure if you know this, but when we were first uh, getting our charter as a chapter, we actually, you know, our early board members who were our first volunteers for the Hudson Valley chapter, they actually went and received training at Metro New York, who were established prior to us, and they helped grant wishes there locally first so that they could kind of understand how it works so that mm -hmm. when we were established in 86, they were able to hit the ground running and were able to really be able to just get started on wishes um, instead of kind of learning on the go. Right. They kind of had a head start a little bit with through our sister chapter over at Metro New York, which is awesome. Yeah, even the collaboration, as you mentioned, collaboration amongst different chapters. I remember a wish my mom worked on uh, you know, from our chapter here was a child wanted to go out to a Cleveland Indian game and visit stuff in Cleveland. I just remember talking about the coordination and talking to wish people out there and trying to get everything set up. Wow. Um, it, it like, you know, that's what it's about. It's about connecting with, you know, chapters, volunteers chapter supporters, you know, people in the community that can help make these wishes happen. You know, again, if you are out there listening to this podcast in the ether somewhere, you know, please reach out to us. We, we need you. We need your assistance and we need um, anything that you're able to offer as small as you think it may be for us. It may be something critical that we need in that moment. So please be sure to reach out to us. And again, check out the show notes so you can find out how to get involved here locally. Um, I have another question for you here, Trish. Um, out of all the memories you have of Make-A-Wish, Hudson Valley, what would you say is your favorite memory? It doesn't have to be necessarily wish-related, but what's your favorite Make-A-Wish, Hudson Valley memory? I think all the coordinated special events we did with you guys. Yeah, so for our listeners, just so you're aware, you know, we work really close in hand when coordinating hospital parties um, or experiences in the hospital. You know, we've had superheroes that have visited. We've had cookies delivered, pizza delivered. We've you know, the great thing about Maria Ferrari is that you guys have all these themed neighborhoods. Um, and so there's this one neighborhood, which is my favorite, where they have like the half of a fire truck there 
And that's usually like the hub of where we have everything done uh, many times for some of these parties and all, you know, the kids are invited and they come kind of at their leisure whenever they feel up to it. And we're there for a certain amount of hours. And it really is great for us as a staff uh, at Make-A-Wish to be present in the hospital when we were, are able to, because it does allow us to kind of get a sense of the day-to-day things that they're, that they're dealing with. And, and it allows us to also catch up with you know, medical professionals like yourself and kind of catch up on other kids that maybe were referred and like, and we can ask, Hey, what's going on? Like we haven't, we haven't been able to progress. And they're like, Oh, well, actually they transferred out and now they're in another hospital or, you know, actually, you know, this is going on. So you were able to really collaborate in real time on right. wishes. And it's, it's actually really great. Um, whenever we are able to do those kind of in-house, you know, hospital celebrations, which is right. Which is awesome. I think for, especially, you know, there's sometimes there's family that you've, that we've, started the dialogue about, but they're still a little bit leery. But it's very non-threatening if you guys happen to be there for a party to be able to say, oh, remember we talked about? They have pizza. Go, go check it out. You should go have exactly. pizza. And then they come and then all of a sudden we're all make-wished out. Exactly. Right. And we start talking and then that's kind of how things can kind of get rolling. So that's another great you know, uh, example of how we are working really in sync and in step with right. each other, which is awesome. Um, I have another question for you here, Trish. You know, if you could have a wish, what would it be? And to give our listeners a, a friendly reminder, we have five formal wish categories. They are to go, to meet, to have, to be, and to give. So, Trish, for you, if you could have a heartfelt wish, what would it be? I think especially because of all that's gone on in the last year is a trip with my family. Yes, and somewhere warm, right? With the beach. Somewhere warm and my family that you haven't been able to see. Yeah. And I think we're all feeling that, right? We're, we're kind of in this whole COVID fatigue right now. Like, right. it's like not the symptom, but just like the fatigue of being in this pandemic. Like, right. we're not able to see each other in person. We're not. And if we are, it's like extremely, you know, cautious, you know, with right. masks and socially distanced and, you know, all this stuff. And every month there's either some progression or a regression in some right. of the, the, the lifting of uh, certain of some of these parameters that Solutions, we're able to right. function in. And it's tough, you know, and I think, you know, we feel it as adults. So we can only imagine how it is for kids. And then when you couple that with kids that are dealing with a medical condition that has them in the hospital or, you know, or, or they're dealing with other stuff, it's extremely difficult for them socially, um, you know, just to connect with, you know, school is like the spot to be at, to connect right. with your friends and you're, you're not able to be there. And then you're able to only be on virtually with your friends. And then you're not even able to really chat like right. you normally would on Zoom because you're doing a lesson and right. you have to go through the class. And um, so it's extremely interesting to see how all this dynamic of how kids are really in need. They, they are yeah. so in need of this interaction. So the work that you guys do as child life specialists at the hospital is even more important now um, than ever before. And I think that's you know, kudos to you guys for being creative and learning and, and figuring out how to make things work within this crazy world. Um, it's just unbelievable. It, it, yeah, it is. Yeah. But I'll, I'll end with this one last question, okay. uh, which is in one word, how would you describe Make-A-Wish? Life-changing? Life-changing. Life <laughs> I'll take it. We'll, we'll, we'll check with the judges. Yes, they agree. They will take life-changing with the hyphen. Yes. Um, you know, it's true. Mike Wish is life changing, and, and it's a testament to, again, community members and supporters like yourself who are, you know, really part of the fabric of our chapter history and present as well. 
but also are the support that really gets us through, you know, the toughest times um, together. And you, know, you're, you. you guys are there. You're there with the kids and the families and, and you're you're giving them hope. And that's something that needs to be celebrated. And in this month of March that we're celebrating all of our social workers and child life specialists that are connected to our chapter and beyond. On behalf of everyone at the chapter, we just want to say our thanks to you and to your entire team there. Please relay this message. To I, them I will. Thank you. And, and let them know how appreciative we are of all of you. And, you know, we can't say it enough. And we every year around this time, we're sending you guys a, either an edible arrangement or we're sending you guys some some cookies or something. But, you know, for now, we you have this this uh, thank you uh, on, a, on a Zoom call. Um, that I, will, sure I will share it for sure. I I will share for sure. And we thank you. And, and we couldn't do this without you. It's great having you guys like in our back pocket, knowing that we could offer this to families. Yeah. And, and knowing the impact it makes. Well, Trish, I have to say thank you so much for, for chatting with me today. And, you know, our special thanks to you and to your entire thank team you. for, for giving back to your local community and the children we serve. We can't thank you enough. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I, I certainly did. Thank you. I can't wait to have you guys back here again. And for people listening, don't be afraid if you're thinking of volunteering and getting involved. Your life will be changed for the better. To our listeners, remember, you can always refer to our show notes for additional information about the topics we discussed today. We also invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Let us know how we're doing and any questions you may want us to add to our Shooting Star segment. Special thanks to the executive producers of the Wish House podcast, Jillian Rodriguez and Sydney Wolf. Shout out to Wish alum Brian Chin for providing us with our Wish House podcast theme music. And finally, from all of us at the Wish House, stay safe and stay healthy.